It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book, Close Encounters of the Worst Kind, and the captivating memoir, Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am your show host, Randy Fine. And yes, today is Free Advice Friday, the day that I take your calls, listen to your comments, and answer your questions. So um, I'm excited to hear from you. I want to know what's going on with you. Other people would love to hear it, and they'd love to hear my answers to it, uh, because these cases are so similar. Um, When I say cases, I mean really situations, but I just got off the phone with a parental alienation situation, so I'm like, (laughs) I'm thinking cases, but uh, she was an attorney, so um, that's why I said cases, but it's situations, and um, these are horrendous, and I know that they are destroying you, destroying your families. This is horrible, horrible stuff, which is why I'm so devoted to it. So thank you for calling in. If you'd like to call in, the number is 424-220-1801, 424-220-1801. We do have a caller. Good morning. Hi. Are you calling to ask me a question? Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Hi. What is your question? Um, what did you want? To, what did you want to ask me? I want to thank you for all that you do for your listeners, and I've been one for a long time. Just um, was inspired after your August fourteenth um, call in, where I was I was going to, and no one had called in, and you had talked exactly about the subject I had in mind. Um, I've um, been divorced five years now. Um, and at first, custody with my two teenagers at the time was 50-50. And after a year, um, it, it, uh, events had um, um, not, not really true events, but things had changed. And now um, my um, daughters have to um, deal with the parental alienation. Okay. One child returned after a year. And the other has not after four years, and she's 17. My question is, since you know these, I'll get very, very in-depth. My, my question is, how best to help these children? And how, when we do get the rare opportunity to talk to them, it's so difficult and awkward. It, it feels like there's um, no... There's only a lose-lose situation for the for the parent, it seems, when you're already um, unable to prevent it. Okay. What state are you in? Colorado. Nevada? Is that what you said? Colorado. Did. What's? I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Colorado. Colorado. Okay, you're. I'm missing like syllables <laughs> through our connection. I'm so sorry. Okay, Colorado. Okay, good. Um, 
Okay, so this is a situation. Um, a year ago, I would have said, I really don't know. This is a very difficult situation, and I'm not sure how to deal with this. Now I have so much information, references. Um, this can be remedied. I just uh, one of my clients just had me on the phone with a new attorney that they were that he was trying to um, to vet. And when I heard her approach, I was so relieved because there are attorneys out there that know how to do this, how to get you your children. Now, I'm not sure if that's what you're saying. Um, there, are, there is also a doctor named Amy Baker who has a program for children who have been alienated to help them um, re, you know, regain what they were what was stolen from them. So it's a difficult thing because when kids come out of this, they are programmed. You know this. I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. They are programmed. And it's the same with all narcissistic abuse. Um, the programming is on such a level that we can't get to, not even as parents, we can't really get to it <clears throat> and change it. So they need professional intervention. It's very, very important. Um, the, <clears throat> the children, the child who um, doesn't want to see you, any, you have two children? How many children? Yes. You have two. 21 okay. and 17. So, yeah. Okay. So, which one is, um, are you talking to? The 21-year-old. Okay. All right. That's and good now, because the seventeen um, in, okay right the seventeen year old has not aged out yet okay but but yes in Colorado and many other states unfortunately and I'm I'm very familiar with um, I've read a lot of literature and feel like the courts now have made it younger and younger that the child gets quote unquote choice and therefore makes it worse by placing them in the middle of conflict like that. So, in fact, three years ago when I did go to court and I had had three attorneys, um, I lost horribly. And, in fact, the magistrate gave me zero contact, zero um, visitation, zero everything, even though I'm not, I'm not a criminal and I've been a primary caretaker that every that had no no issues, no problem, no um, no legal okay. issues. So it's 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 very difficult, but um, I do feel it's important, and you have covered that before that that there is um, help when they are minors. Um, I'm more reaching where, and and there is a lot of literature on on um, the adults. Um, trying to return to their children. But as a, as a mother, it just gets really awkward when you have that close relationship and then you have no idea what to say and what to do and how to blend this. And anything you do say, it is turned and twisted as being negative or that upset me, then therefore caused me not to talk to you for three months. So it's right. almost like... You've got to be really superficial, but yet it doesn't approach the healing when you get right. those rare 
And I get, uh, she talks to me once or twice a year, maybe. The 21-year-old? No, the 17-year-old. The 17-year-old, okay. Okay. Yes, the 21-year-old and I have gotten close. And in fact, that's also a very difficult thing because as soon as that child tries to regain a normal relationship at all, they're um, pretty much discarded as well. So the, the, that child, even though she's trying to live healthily, it gets very difficult because they get cut off as well from my ex-husband and her sister, right. which is typical, as you know. Um, I'm so sorry. I, I My heart bleeds for you. It really does. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and <clears throat> lately... Um... I've been hearing so much of this, and as you've heard me say, this is a worldwide issue. The courts are corrupt. The judges don't understand. They always side with the with the abuser. The children are not considered. It's uh, yes, I've said it, you know, over and over and over, and it's really horrible. Um, but the good news is that there are different approaches to this. If you're trying to get your 17-year-old out, <clears throat> because it's not going to be a matter of will to get her out. It's going to be a matter of law. And um, when you go through a divorce with a narcissist and you have children, as if you've listened to me, you've heard me say it too, but I'm going to repeat it for those who have not. Your attorney is the kingpin. Your attorney is everything. And if you, your attorney has not represented 20 or more cases of where the other party is a narcissist, you are going to lose. The narcissist charms the court, and the difference between their demeanor and the, um, the other person, the other parent's demeanor, are so different that the judge is just drawn to that act. So what happens to you happens tragically to millions of people i don't get it um there you know there are so many people out there working on behalf of you and every other parent going through this but that doesn't stop the pain and i can't even imagine what it feels like i'm a mother of two i cannot even imagine what it feels like um what normally happens is that one child usually will get out of this and the rest, so in your case it's you have two children, the other child sort of goes in deeper. And that's because the narcissistic parent is terrified of losing supply, which children are. So they really lay it on thick. And they basically erase the memory of the good parent. It's erased. So when your child doesn't remember any of the loving things you do, it's because their me- the memories are not there. They're gone. These uh, narcissists are extremely dangerous to the mind. They're not dangerous to us physically. They're dangerous to the mind. So what's very important, and 
I don't know when the last time you have been to court or fought for this, um, and you're probably very gun-shy because of what has happened to you. But there are ways to go back in and get this done. And um, there are people out there who do this. So I want you to know that. I want you to understand that. There's also, um, in the United States, we have a law, the American Disabilities Act. And it has been extended to include PTSD, which every victim of narcissistic abuse has suffered. Usually it's complex because it's over a period of time. What you have been through is it cannot be worse trauma. There's, there's nothing worse than what you're going through. So in the, with these accommodations, you can have an advocate. What you do is you file with the court. I have all the mock letters and everything like that. You, have, you get a diagnosis of PTSD. You file it with a specific aspect of the court. You're considered disabled. The judge never sees it. The judge has no idea what your disability is. All he knows is he has to honor lots of accommodations for you. And so what it does is it, and then you have an advocate, which is someone I can, I can be, an advocate. So then you have a more level playing field because you can ask for accommodation of slow speech. You can have as many breaks as you want. The advocate is there to balance you out, to get you back, because you need to present yourself very strong. So there's a whole lot of things that you may not know about that can be on your side. Um, so, yeah, that said, um, what are your thoughts? Um, I, um, I've been through all that. I've spent nearly, well, too much that I shouldn't mention with three attorneys and um, three straight years of what I know is is that when you're going through that, much, much worse during the time with the child, um, the, I did get reunification, quote-unquote, therapy that then failed because all of the games played during it. And when the child is um, in 100% custody of the influence with that, then um, it was doomed to fail, but yet it gave me the opportunity to try to plant those seeds of, you know, love and memories. It's it's really hard when your history is completely um, not only erased, but rewritten to be a horrible, horrible person that, in fact, they want nothing to do with. There's nothing appealing anymore about you. So, now I'm trying to turn the page, in fact, with the Amy Baker books and such, with trying to be more attractive and appealing because when they get the adultified position of control and then the rewards from um, rejecting you from the other, whether it be monetary or the attention that they always seek, because, you know, as you know, this, these children, as they grew up, they just crave the attention and love from that parent. So then when it was given 100%, there is 
there's nothing more appealing. So I think my question is more, and I do realize that that is what parents of minors need to do and didn't realize when I was married to this type of um, individual that their personality disorder gets worse and worse as your marriage progresses um, and in fact was 20 years long and oh, you know wow. you're usually very young yeah you don't you don't realize that it happens way prior to the marriage dissolving because of right. their planning you really hit it on the head and I appreciate how you offered to all your all your listeners to talk to you prior to their deciding to divorce because you're right. I'm the one that went in with no strategy. He said, I want to divorce, but you have to do it. You know, many, many, many things, you're stepping into the news. Sometimes you know it, and sometimes you have to do it anyway. But you're continually set up. And so just like now, as they become in the, in the court system, when they're 13, they act just like they're what you would think 19 or 20 in normal life, they they think that they can make those decisions. They think, and they make lifelong injuries. Well, so right. now I'm just facing her. She seems to not remember, recollect, or have any good memory of me, as you well right. stated. Um, all the memories are twisted, and recollection of me where... It's like you're living in an alternate dimension. Your reality is is no longer, you know, real. There is a lot of support groups out for parents like us, but what we really what we really like is maybe, um, you know, the toolbox for the active listening to get somewhere, and for the redundant cycle of, well, you're I, you're not good for me, parents. So I can just X you out, unlearn respect, unlearn everything that you basically have taught them as a good character. How do you help that child? Okay. Okay. I I hear you. I hear exactly what you're saying. Um, Until you have full custody or uh, constant relationship with that child, it's impossible because it's too far gone. So this is why it's so important to get that kid out of there any way that you can. Um, The attorneys that you used, um, did they have a great deal of experience with this? Uh, Yes. Yes, in fact. Both of their, both of, um, during the, when I interviewed, both had said, um, but I didn't know better. And the words parental alienation was were used in my final court and were overlooked because, um, you know, as you said in your last talk, uh, there's no signs, proof, you know, functioning human beings without any records or police, you know. So. Right, right. Yeah. So what um, I just what I just learned um, is. There's a, another phrase that perks the judge's ears up. Instead of parental alienation, they call it restrictive gatekeeping. When a judge hears restrictive gatekeeping, 
they have to listen because that means the other parent is holding that other child hostage. So there's, there's terminology that has to be used. But these attorneys have got to understand from soup to nuts how to speak to the judge. Whether they have experience or not, that's really good if they do. But if they don't know the lingo that's going to perk the judge's ears up, you're not going to win. And so I don't know how, you know, the only thing I can think of, unfortunately, is to get your daughter out of there before she ages out of the system to do the best that you can and then and then get her into a deprogramming. Well, there, you need you need no a professional. Way. You need a professional to do that for you. These kids appear like they're thriving in that environment. They Yes. The the I believe and and I don't want to be negative saying this, but I believe that judges do status quo most of the time and don't uh, don't make the right decision that I would have stayed out of family court and just tried to be as nice as possible if I would have known how horrible. It was just an opportunity to grandstand and destroy my image even further and to have the child pull away from me even more. So, right. um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, and I really am glad and looking forward to the change because you're right, with these many hundreds of thousands of people working towards it, something's going to have to change. Mm-hmm. But for now, the ones like us that we, that we have these, you know, the most important thing to most of us was to have a, have a happy family, and that's why it was robbed from us. So severely, yes. but it hits us where it hurts the most. So, so I want you to know. Well. I want you to know that had you not gone to court, the same thing would have happened. You wouldn't have been humiliated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but the, the, the same mechanisms would have been used against you. Oh yeah, things you don't even believe could occur occur. So. I hope that your listeners do take you up on when they're just even starting to think about it or they're being pushed into the divorce to consult you for the for the game plan they need to make because when it struck me when you had said you will lose one child and I almost lost both. Yeah. Yeah, it's it it <clears throat> you know, I was asked to um there's there's a woman who's been involved in parental alienation work for over 25 years i've recently gotten to know her and she um wants to write a screenplay about parental alienation and she's asked me to participate when she asked me to participate in our our first uh meeting she was talking about how the, the movie was going to have this happy ending and the children were going to be speaking about their experience and, you know, how, what they went through, and blah, 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 blah. And I said to her, isn't that a little bit Pollyanna-ish? Because that doesn't happen. And she said to me, oh, no, no, no. Things, there are things that can be done. But if you go, if you use a an attorney who is 
experienced in family law and will tell you they've dealt with manipulators. Um, they will convince you. And I vet attorneys for people. If they can't find an attorney, I will call around in their area and ask and talk to the attorneys. And the attorneys get so angry with me because when I start pushing, their voices get higher and higher and louder and louder and they hang up on me. So at first they'll say to me, oh, yes, I've dealt with this. And then when I get into the nitty-gritty of it, no. Then they start, I had one say, well, what is she trying to be, a victim? And when I heard that, I was like, oh, you're, you're not the right, you know. So, um, so I've talked to these attorneys, and I know what they're about. And you need an attorney, uh, for those who are listening, and uh, you may not even be in this place right now, but you need an attorney that is affiliated with a psychiatrist that does this or affiliated with a psychologist that does this who knows how to bring the language to the court. And it is very specific language. And if you say one thing wrong, the judge will turn off. So it's so very specific. This has it to is. change. This, this has to change. And I, I thank you so much for your call. If there's anything I can do to help you, if you'd like any more information, you know I'm always available, um, you know, to talk about this. Um, so randyfine.com. Mm hmm I I'm think, sorry, go um, ahead. I would just like to know, I would just like to know, um, she doesn't block me on emails and texts, so currently I send um encouraging statements and um I know listeners that don't know what I mean, you avoid saying I love you anymore. It's a pressure to them, but I right. say other encouraging things. Um and um I just wonder if you think of anything I should do besides that. Some some therapists say to write a goodbye letter until they return. I am not, I've already done an apology letter. I've already uh, tried, uh, I just wonder if I'm, you think I'm covering it all as being a child that did grow through this and you did raise healthy humans after mm -hmm. to help right. her grow. What else can I do? And then I'll be done. I'm sorry to take your time. That's okay. Yeah, we have another caller, but I, I will answer that question. When you send these things, do you always say, I'm always there for you? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, you want to follow that that up with I'm always, or I'm always here for you. That's it. But you're right. Yes. You don't want to say, you know, I love you, I miss you, because they're already thinking you're a selfish bitch. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and the minute you say yeah. I love you, they're thinking, oh, yeah, she's selfish, you know. So you have to watch uh -huh. every, you, you realize that. So send pictures, send videos. Yeah. Whether or not that child is looking, it's hard to say. But as long as she's under the influence of a narcissist, as long as anyone is under the influence of a narcissist, whether it be adult or child, they cannot heal. It's impossible. Impossible. So I tell people who are going through this, you've got to go through it and get out of it, and then we can work on the healing. It's not going to happen while you're in the midst of it. Because you were traumatized over and over and over again. There's just no way to intervene with that. Um, so that's what I have to say. I think you're doing everything you possibly can. I really, really do. And I'm grateful for you that you have one daughter. I'm heartbroken that you don't have the other. But don't give up. If you want some help, I'm here, Thank okay? You you're welcome. Thank, Thank you for you calling. Much. Thank you. 
Okay. Hi. Um, you're calling in to speak with me? Hi, Randy. It's Beth up in Nantucket, up in Massachusetts. Hi, Beth. It's great to hear you. You remember I, I spent quite a few weeks with you uh, this time last year, and <clears throat> I'm so glad that you're sending out reminder emails because I want to call in after I'm already listening to the podcast on my walk somewhere. I've listened to all your podcasts this year. So uh, my question initially is, uh, and the reason I wanted to call was um, because I'm, you know, this year of pandemic also and a little, you know, less work, I'm working half of what I used to work, has really been giving me a great opportunity to, like, be free, be myself. You know, it's just been the first year of my entire life of feeling like I can be myself. And I don't know what that is, though, and that's my problem um, is I'm really not sure uh, still of a direction to go in, you know. That's my okay. first question. And and I'm just sort of going along with, you know, meditating and doing whatever and doing what I can and um, trying to enjoy the time and the peace and quiet. But I'll tell you, just now, in the last 48 hours, I've been thrown back into it and uh, literally have spoken to her once, my mother the DL, as I remember you call, we calling mm-hmm. her. And, um, yep. <laughs> and when her dog died, but other than that, I have not seen her but once and uh, I have not talked to her but twice in this whole year. And so it's been really, really good. And um, But she broke her hip the other day, and it's just back in it. And I feel like oh, my gosh. body has just gone through an electric shock. You know, it's like the chaos. Now she's calling me from the hospital because they're delaying. She's demanding things. She's telling me how horrible and making this huge point of telling me how much she loves me. And it's just everything is the same, and it drives me nuts. And I feel like what happens, because this is new for me to do this now, is you just get re-traumatized right all over again. No matter what she says or does, it's chaos. So. Immediately, that, immediately upon contact, oh, immediately upon Jesus. contact, it comes back, right? Terrible, yeah, and, like, I'm trying so hard to, like, keep out, not get involved. Like, my initial thing is still to do that. It's amazing to me that initially I'm like, oh, i got to do this for her. But I'm really holding back, trying to be really limited, noncommittal. And uh, so, anyway, I'm a little shook up right now. But my question okay. really is about moving on and about myself, and I'm going to um, just end there so that you can do your thing. And uh, I'm so grateful for your podcast and for your help last year. Really um, set me free, you know, and um, it's just it's just great. <laughs> Except Beth for right was, now. Beth, is, Beth is one of my what I call graduates. She <laughs> was diligent in talking with me every week, and at first – she didn't get it. She didn't understand. By the time we were done, she was so good. She was a different person. She was expressing herself, her individuality. She wasn't feeling the guilt. Um, and Beth, you did so well. So listen, we all have setbacks. What I want you to do is look at that setback as a lesson to never do this again. You know, you needed to be shocked again. You needed the two-by-four across your head, you know, slammed into your head again. But I would advise you, if you want to get back to peace, to cut this off now. There's nothing you need to do. 
absolutely nothing you need to do. You know that your mother has a whole team of people buying her wheelchairs, paying her medical expenses, bringing her food, doing her laundry. You don't need to be there. Just because you are daughter, she is the dragon lady, and um, she's not a mother. She could be anybody who's just using you. It's not, she's not a mother, and that's the part that we have to get out of your head, okay? She, she, that's why we assign a different name. Instead of mother, we assigned, or you assigned that name, DL. Um, And you need to continue to think in terms of that. This is not your mother. She's not a mother. She's disguised as a mother. But you need to back out. She will be perfectly fine. Okay. Yeah, I agree. And my son is, you know, my son is ragging on me for, you know, not doing this for her and get out there and help her. And I and I know that he's wrong. I know that he's upset because he hasn't gone to visit her. You know, he has his own thing with her. Um, mm-hmm. But, and my brother is on the other side. She's in Boston, so I can't, I'm not going up there or anything. Um, and I know it's just, it's hard because it's like, you know, she's still, uh, the mother of, you know, I don't know. I mean, I didn't see her at all. I didn't see her at the hospital. I, you know, she mm-hmm. still hasn't even had the surgery. Then we're going to have rehab, and where does she go, and blah, blah, blah. But I'll tell you something about a narcissist. Coincidentally, the girl that lived downstairs and rented and was part of her income moved out a week ago. So, like, if you could think that a narcissist could actually fall and hurt themselves on purpose so that their life would change, so that they would get out of their house, I don't know if they can, but it's oh, like once again, oh, clearly. once clearly. again, she has figured out that she doesn't have money now again because that girl moved out and mm-hmm. something has to give. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, she falls and breaks her hip. I mean, it's just some kind of weird thing, and I, I just can't be in it. You're right. You're right. And, Beth, and I one, of the first things, one of the first things I told you, do you remember the me or them that mm-hmm. I told you about? Okay, so let me just refresh everybody or let everybody know. In dealing with a narcissist, there's only two choices. Are you going to protect you or are you going to help them or be involved in them? Because you can't do both. If you are involved with them at all, at all, even just looking at a text, even just knowing the phone can ring, if you are involved at all with that person, you are not going to be well. You're just not. It can't be. It's impossible. And Beth, your experience. It's very that. true. It's very true. So, it's true. Um, it's so very it's very true. clear cut. It's very very clear cut to everybody. It's me or them, but we ca- it can't be both. And if you think it can, you're going to end up very, very sick and very confused. Um, and I'm, you know, and I'm very cut and dry with this. I'm really, really honest and really out there because I know what I'm talking about when I tell you this, and uh, it, it is absolutely the truth. So, okay, um, finding a direction, and I know that this has been an issue for you. Um, and I know that you have a lot of things that you enjoy doing. And right now it's very diff- difficult to find any kind of direction because there are no opportunities. Life is a big question mark, so we don't know where we're going. 
Um, so to make any plans or to try to try to um, succeed in any new endeavor is just impossible right now. So I think you're feeling a lot of that. Now, um, direction is something that's really kind of difficult. <clears throat> but start with writing down what you know you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Write all those things down. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And as you go through that, it will help you to hone in a little bit tighter, zero in on what it is you want to do. Okay? Yes. <laughs> That's, you know, that is um, the best advice I can give you. And the other thing, as we know, as we've talked about, follow the signs. But right now there are no signs. Nobody's getting them. It is so frustrating. Um, hopefully this will ease up soon. So I hope I've answered Thank your questions. You. You're welcome. You. Okay. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Okay. Very, two very good callers and very different kind of information, which uh, narcissistic abuse is so varied. Uh, if I see six people in a day, every single one will be different. Now, if we're dealing with a narcissist, I know the pattern. But the outcome, how it affects your life, there are so many variables that can happen. And so I can educate all of you as much as possible. I can speak to you. I can write. You have, if you have my books, you'll understand. You'll get you know, lots of help that way. Um, but ultimately, there are areas that are very, very difficult. And... The parental alienation situation is beyond tragic. And for all of you, any of you who do not understand what parental alienation is, it's when the narcissist, you, you leave or divorce a narcissist, and they their entire agenda is to destroy you for the rest of their life. That's it. They'll do other things, but their bottom line is they want to destroy you for the rest of your life. And what better way to do it than to steal your children? They don't care about the children. There is not a narcissistic parent out there, not one, who loves and cares for their children. They mimic it. You know, I've I've often asked people, you know, they say, well, you know, they, they were loving. They did some nice things. Okay, what did they do? Well, they fed me. Mm hmm. Well, they kept a roof over my head. Okay. They took me to the doctor. Okay. They bought me clothes. Okay. So what did they do for you? Because that is the basic parent responsibility. Otherwise, Child Protective Services are going to come get you. That's what they have to do. What they're supposed to do is prepare you for life gradually. They're supposed to boost your self-esteem. They're supposed to encourage your identity. They're supposed to praise and applaud every time you break away a little bit. They're supposed to teach you how to cope with everything in life so that when you get to be an adult, 
you know how to deal with life. Life is very hard. We have to be prepared for it. If, if, you're, if you've been raised by a narcissist, at some point you're thrown out there and you have no tools for living, which is why we all plummet, which is why we all get into terrible relationships, often one after the other. It's why we make terrible choices for our life. We're like a little child that has no preparation. So we're flailing. We don't know what we're doing. So the, the, the purpose of a parent is to prepare the child for life so that when that child gets takes their wings, they can fly. That's what the job is. If your parent has not done that for you, there is no love. It's just, they're just going through the motions of what they have to do to look like a parent. But parents are supportive. Parents are loving. And if a parent does not love you unconditionally, they don't love you. If they put any conditions on that love, any, they do not love you. Because good parents love their children no matter what. You know, it's, um, I might have said this in the past. This is This is kind of just a little bit humorous. And I talk about it in my book, Cliff Edge Road. But... Whenever my sisters and I had birthdays, instead of my father saying happy birthday, he would say, thank your mother for giving birth to you. It was always about her, even our birthdays. Nothing belonged to us. Nothing. And she would be like, oh, no, 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 don't say that. Oh, don't say that. Oh, go Frank, don't say that, you know. But she ate it with a spoon. She ate it right up. So... um, And my mother, until I was 42, I thought she was the most loving mother ever, ever. I couldn't see it. But when I did, oh boy, (laughs) once I saw it, that was very, very obvious to me. Because as you all know, by the time you come to me, You've already had your aha moments. You've already read a lot about narcissistic abuse. You've already sort of identified your abuser as a narcissist. You've put all the pieces together, and then you find me. Or as you're putting these pieces together, you find me. So you have a lot of information out there. There really is a lot of information out there. And um, But there are such subtleties. For instance, one of the things that I work with initially on, with people is self-love. And you, you I, sh- I was going to say you probably wouldn't realize this, but actually you would. Self-love is such a foreign concept to most people who have been abused by a narcissist, especially in childhood. They do not understand what that is. They think it's selfish. So let me just go through that quickly. Self-love is when you're filling yourself up with love and you have an abundance to give out and it never runs out because you're constantly filling yourself with love. Selfishness is when you take something from someone and give it to yourself. You deplete another human being and you give it to yourself. That is selfishness. They are two completely opposite things. And if you don't have self-love, you have nothing to give. But I bet you, 
I bet you many of you out there are big givers. You want to help people. That's always been your role. You want to help people. You want to fix people. You want to make other people's lives easier. But guess what happens? You get drained and you get tired. There's nothing in there to give. Self-love is is really the, the main point of all of this is when you care for yourself to the point where you will protect yourself at any cost, you're not going to let any toxicity in. It's just not going to get in because you have these boundaries that are so strong. Not walls. You're not putting up walls. You're just basically saying, this is where, this is where I stop tolerating it. No, you're not getting any further. So strong self-love brings you to that place. So that's one of the main things that, um, that I work with. And sometimes that can take several weeks for someone to get. Um, so we start off doing it a little teeny bit at a time, just a bit at a time. That's how we do it. But somebody has to guide you through this. I have so many resources. In addition to what I do, I have so many resources for you that I can't even put it all out there because it's specific to very different things. So um, you can get help. And Beth is a perfect example of someone um, that was helped, and she really, really changed. We have another caller. Good morning. Welcome. Hi. Do you have a question for me? Yes, I do. You said it's Free Advice Friday. Good morning. How are you doing today for Friday. Okay. Well, um, I, I live in 40 out of 50 states, and I've traveled up and down the highway, and um, as of this year, my whole uh, business, consultant business, took a turn, uh, not for the left, but I look at it as like an evolution. You know, as a caterpillar, you crawl around on the on the ground foraging, then you have to go through a cocoon stage, and then you come out as a butterfly. So I feel like I'm coming out as a butterfly. My my advice that I'm asking for, uh, how do you obtain new people when you're coming out as a new person? Do you go back to the people you was crawling with as a caterpillar, or do you look for new horizons as a butterfly and you don't go back down that road? Well, what do you think? Oh, what a great question. What a great question. Thank you for asking me that. Okay. Um, when you're changing – It's important to let everybody know, listen, I'm going through this change and I'm looking at things differently. And as you're evolving, you let people know you're changing the way you are. Some people will back off. Some people will not. If the if these people truly are toxic, that's going to show very quickly. If they're in it for, for selfish reasons, if they're not really um, – devoted to you or um, proud of your accomplishments or whatever that is, they're going to just drop off like flies. So it's often when we emerge into a a butterfly, as you say, when we go from one transition to another, we often have to start over with people. 
because usually people get adjusted to how you are and what they think of. And, you know, many people do not want the best for others, but there are plenty of wonderful, loving people out there. And you, I bet you know who they are. I bet you know that this person is just there all the time. Other people are just hanger, hanger-ons. And um, when it's not good for them, they're going to drop off. So you can begin to share with people. Listen, my business is evolving. I'm going through a change personally, you know. And so if I'm acting different or saying different things, I just want you to know that this is an evolution for me. Okay, that now now to some degree that was a loaded question. Just to give you a little of my background, I've been pastoring for over seventeen years and I've been in the uh, radio industry for uh forty two years. When I was three months I was supposed to have been in the radio station for thirty minutes. My daddy had me there for three hours. So um my question to you on a rephrasing situation, as a pastor and a leader and a shepherd, how do I put down like uh, in the Bible, Jesus said, "Hey, you're not bearing fruit. You got to you 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 faking like a tree." That was one of the only times he got upset. And for me, I want to do something different. I don't want to brush them off, but at the end of the day, time is the most precious commodity in the world, and I don't want to keep uh, being a dead horse per se. Like it's not about me saying you got to do this and you got to do that. But mm-hmm. if I'm a pastor, it's a certain level of respect that I deserve. But at the same time, if they're not giving me that respect, how do I shake the dust off my feet and okay. keep on moving without not hurting okay. their feelings? So, are you currently doing sermons? Are you currently speaking to a congregation? Oh yeah, I do a lot. I've been on over 4,500 radio shows, and I've again, <laughs> I've preached. I've done a lot of outreaches and stuff. I'm constantly doing sermons. It's not the, it's not necessarily the ones who's listening. It's the ones who don't get it. I'm not trying to hurt, (laughs) harm them. You're right. I'm I'm trying to figure out how how do I ease my head at the lion's mouth without not breaking their heart because of some representation. I'm the only representative of God they're going to see. So I don't want them to get mad at me like I'm going atheist now because God's let me down and that's not the case. Because God's let okay, so you you're thinking that your evolution is going to look as if you're not following the the path Correct. of your religion. Okay. Correct. And, right. okay. and I'm more spiritual. I'm with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I don't have like I'm not Christian, Catholic, Muslim. I I respect all faiths. Everybody has okay. a different creator. Got it. Okay. All right. So this is something I have heard several times over the years where the person's faith or everything that they've studied and invested themselves in emotionally and psychologically is not what they want to do anymore or they're changing it. And it, it's very confusing to do that. You sound like you're very clear on it and very excited about it. You know, the word that comes to mind is boundaries because you can continue relationships with all these people, but when they become cruel, when they become belligerent, when they become disrespectful, you kindly say, you know, that's, um, I don't accept that from you. So when, when you can speak to me in a respectful way, we can talk again. 
that's just what you're going to have to do, and it may just be person by person. Certain people will respect your boundaries, and they'll get it. Others will say, well, the pastor is just, you know, he's just bailed on us. And, um, yeah, you know, people, you are going to lose people. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. You are going to lose people, but you're also going to gain people. Right, right. And then the more people I have around that don't belong, they're taking up the space for the people that do belong. Yes, exactly. And that's really exciting. I know my life looks very different than it used to look, very different. When you claim your power and you um, and you really are invested in, in growth and self-love and all those kind of things, you cannot afford to have these hanger owners that don't really care. It's just it's just gonna drag you down. So you just hold your head up. You know in your heart that you are a man of faith and a man of spirit. Yes. Yes. And nobody nobody on earth you know that um man doesn't have any right to judge another man. Woman doesn't have another yes. any right. There's only one judge, right? So when people become like that, they're not being very spiritual themselves. It's sort of hypocritical. Man, that that wisdom is priceless, and I tell everybody all the time, information and knowledge becomes wisdom once it's supplied. If you got all the information in the world, you don't have the knowledge to know what to do with it, it doesn't help you. If you know everything and you don't know how to disseminate that information to people that don't know you, it doesn't help you. But when you apply both those things, it becomes wisdom. That's one of the um, things they said in the Bible. They said, bind wisdom around your neck. He didn't say go get a gold chain. He said get wisdom. Hold on to it. She's precious. So I really like what you're putting down. I definitely want you to take down my number and reach out to me after the show. Oh, I could take down your number or whatever. Oh, I, I don't got want it. to throw yeah, my I number out. I see it here. I see yeah. it. I'll, I'll call you. My, my, okay, yeah. You know, my name is I, uh, Pastor Don Jr. because I need you in my life. You have a wisdom that surpasses normal understanding. Okay. Thank you. Um, You know, when I decided to do what I do, which is narcissistic abuse uh, work, and my mother is the narcissist, I went full force into being real about it because I knew in my heart that this is what I'm supposed to do, that this is given to me, it's a gift, and I'm not letting that old baggage and the and the, the fear of judgment and, and that kind of thing um, hold me back. I have to do what I have to do, such which is what you're doing. You have to do what you're, you're doing. It's It's working. So... You can't be held back. You have to go forward, and those who appreciate it will appreciate it. And I'm so grateful to you, all my listeners, and everyone who reads my books and, and my blog and everything who follows me, because you give me an opportunity to voice this and I, where I wouldn't have it any, you know, otherwise. So thank you to all of you. Um, Pastor, I hope that you, um, I hope that I helped you a lot, and I will give you a call when we hang up, okay? I have it now. Thank I have you, the you. number down. Thank you so much, Randy. I really okay. appreciate you. This has been Thank you for calling for in. Okay. Thank you for I'm calling in. I'm going to the rest of the show. Okay. I'm going to put you back on hold. All right. We're almost done. We only have a few minutes left. Okay. So, 
as you see, there's a variety of things that can come up. And even though the pastor was not talking about narcissistic abuse, it applies. Because as you're changing, as you're developing boundaries, as you're developing self-love, you're going to lose people. You can be real with them. You don't have to over-explain to them. You don't have to really explain to them. All you have to say is, you know, I'm doing this and I'm really enjoying it and, you know, hope you'll, you know, hope you'll understand that I'm a little bit different. Um, but most people are going to drop off. They're not going to, they're, they're going to deny your reality. And you don't need that. So what you have to do is just forge ahead. Develop self-validation, inner validation, so that you don't need to hear what others say. And if you want to be a voice, you can be a voice. Don't be afraid to be a voice for what you believe in. It's so important. It's healing me every single day when I talk to all of you, when I write to you. Everything that I do is healing me as well. It's reinforcing it all. Um, and I thank you all so much for listening. Um, thank you to my three callers today. You have made it a wonderful show and a very diverse show. We had some really different kind of topics. Um, all in all, it's really about it's really about taking care of yourself, loving yourself, centering on yourself and then giving it out. It's, that's really what it is. Um, if you are having parental alienation issues or you um, are anticipating leaving your narcissistic spouse or partner, please, 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 please contact me first. The steps that you take now are going to determine your outcome. And if you don't, if you don't do it exactly right, devastating for the rest of your life. So I want to know that that's very, very important. I'm glad that the caller reinforced that. And those, those people who have done that with me have ended up very well. Those who have not are fighting a losing cause. It is so, so difficult. So anyway... That is my advice to you today. Um, I hope you enjoyed the show. I did. I really did. And um, our next free advice Friday is, let's see, we're going to December. November. November. God, the months are going so fast. Uh, November 13th, same time, same place. Same call-in number, 424-220-1801. I am so happy you all listened today. May joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.